Ultra. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one not an orc horn at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us today, we have Doug Greenberg from Rocky Minute. Hello. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for uh, being a guest. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Minute 166. Which starts with Gimli saying it's a little tight across the chest regarding his um, borrowed chainmail, and ends with Haldir, our friend Haldir, saying to uh, Theoden, I bring word from Elrond of Rivendell. Yes. Craig Parker is back. Yeah. This ethereal way of speaking. It's a little more ethereal. I don't know if that's a word. (laughs) I love Haldir. He's a great character. Me too. He's he's like one of my, I he, he's not obviously not a primary character. He might not even be like one of the secondary characters, but he's like my favorite tertiary character by mm-hmm. far. I know there's a lot of characters to keep track of in this there movie. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there sure is. I love Haldir too. There's just there's something about the way his character is framed across these two movies that just really works. He seems like the most uh, human of elves to me. Mm. It's you know, interesting. I mean, they're 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 very uh, like straight and stoic and you know very emotionless. And Haldir to me just seems like I don't know like like the one that has the most human in him. Mm-hmm. Well, he's fairly sarcastic. He seems to be trying to have fun with things when we yeah. first meet him. Yeah, I would agree. He just doesn't like dwarves. Like Legolas has <laughs> Legolas has that sarcastic edge too, but he's also a Mirkwood elf. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I... we when we eventually meet Thranduil in the Hobbit movies, he's also Bless. a very sarcastic elf. Yes. So it's like we see exactly where Legolas gets it from. <laughs> no. I'm I'm obviously talking outside Legolas because, you know, we see the most of him, therefore we see the most human. Yeah. Like and he has to be the most human elf, really, because he's the one we interact with constantly. I don't even so know. So he has to be the most relatable of the elves. Yeah, you want to feel something about the character, right? If he's just, like, stone-faced and like a robot, right? how are you going to feel something for him? Right. I don't know. I think Elrond is pretty... I think Elrond is humanized. But, like, Elrond is on another mm-hmm. level because he's, like, so old. Yeah. And then, like, Galadriel is just, like out in outer space yeah <laughs> elrond is just tired old man humanized yeah yeah galadriel like I is relate, a goddess i relate more to elrond than i do to legolas honestly i just want to take a nap and complain about men yeah yeah he's like old elf yells at cloud like that's that's elrond. <laughs> just abe simpson well, yeah yeah <laughs> He just walks in. He just walks in with his cop hat, and he's just like, "Oh, nope!" And then he just oh. walks in. <laughs> That's the best Abe Simpson. Movie. Oh in man! Nine seasons. Walks into the brothel, sees Bart as the doorman, <laughs> turns right back around, doesn't miss a step. He's whistling the whole time. Relatable content. I um. Can I- 
Go for uh, it. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, I know I, I didn't, um, you know, get the minutes before this, but I just wanted to like real quick touch on like how this is like my favorite part. The lead up, the Battle of Helm's Deep is, you know, it, it is what it is. Great battle. Mm-hmm. and But the lead, the specifically the lead up to the battle is my favorite part of probably the whole trilogy. That's exactly what I said last week talking to Niall. <laughs> Yeah, you you uh you specifically mentioned Theoden's speech, right? Or Theoden's yeah, that's my name. favorite part. But the whole lead up is my favorite section of storytelling in this trilogy. Yeah, it's it's the um like we know the battle's going to happen. We understand like the connection of the you know the obvious connection of the three hundred versus the ten thousand, mm-hmm. like the Spartans of Thermopylae, like that whole thing. Yeah. Um, but we so we know it's going to happen. But the anticipation and just seeing the apprehension on, on all these like unseasoned warriors. You can't even call them warriors because they're just normal people that are tapped, you know, like like we have no other options. We have to go to these normal people and probably uh, sign their death certificate. Right. Just so we have a chance, a, a sliver of a chance. Yeah. But um, like Faden's hubris uh, like about it bothers me though because – like he he wants to be the noble martyr, or he he's accepting the fact that he he's going to be the noble martyr, and that's mm-hmm. that's all well and good. You can even you can even um, like sign your soldiers up for that, but you are condemning your women and children to death too. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're about to have ten thousand urukai march right up your ass, and these women and children they're just hiding in the caves below. They're not on another location. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're there. You, the front line, you guys go down, then it, it's just easy pickings for them. Right. And that, it, but, that bugs me that, that he, that he's, I mean, you know, his whole, like, if this is our end, then we'll, we'll make such an end. Like, that's great. That's great for you and your soldiers, but not the women and children. That bothers me. The way the movie's put together, I don't think there's a choice. Like, the women and children have to go with them to Helm's Deep. They're, otherwise, they're just dead quickly at Edoras with nothing to protect mm. them at all. Yeah. Yeah. Even more of the sitting ducks. Like this, the way that the whole lead up is framed, it's, this is a horrible thing that there is nothing we can do about. So I think that like, at least going to try to keep his men hopeful. I, I don't even know if he does a good job of doing that though. And I think that's what you're getting at Doug. Like he mm. almost is resigned already. Like he's, he's with Legolas like, Oh, they're going to die. And Aragorn's the one who's just like, no, like, we yeah, gotta, there's hope. always hope. I mean, Aragorn lets slip that he thinks they might die too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but like, because Aragorn is supposed to be a foil for Theoden, and Aragorn yeah. is learning how to be a king, so like, cl- like well, Aragorn have... doesn't, Aragorn doesn't give up. Mm-hmm. It's just part of his central character. Yeah. Theoden has given up, but he's not willing to lie down. Right. Right, he's yeah, he's gonna fight to the end, but they he has this pissing contest with Gondor, and if if and Gondor has this this uh, stalemate with Rohan, like why don't they just be there for each other? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yeah. be there for each other. Put all this aside. You guys aren't fighting each other. You're fighting Mordor, right? right? Even though Denethor is an asshole, just be the bigger man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I, just knowing that you don't have to just give everybody up to die. You know, if you just, like, put your pride aside. Right. Right. Like the beacons, someone will answer, even if Denethor won't. 
There are still yeah. good people in Gondor. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But we see that next time. That's right. From <laughs> yeah, my direction. rant. Uh, sorry about ranting. But... Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. We're all for uh, rants here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all for a good rant. <laughs> Excellent. I, I mean, I've always liked Theoden, obviously. I, I gush mm. about him constantly. No, really? But I get where you're coming from. It's like, there isn't really much that he can do, but he is kind of just condemning his people to death. He's very prideful about it. He is very proud. But, and his pride is wrapped up in this protector instinct, and he doesn't know how to reconcile them. Right. You know what's funny is I never, you know, I've been watching these since they came out, and I never really felt like that until I became a father myself. Mm. And seeing these children, you know, like scared below, you know, hearing the monsters outside, it, it like it, it tingled my my parent sensibilities. Uh huh. So maybe that's it. <laughs> and every everyone in Helm's Deep is so sad. I don't know. I think it's cool. It's cool that this movie, even though it's fifteen years old, it like is still relevant and, like, still has something to say, like, 15 years later. And, like, it ch- I don't know, I think it, it's cool that, it, like, it changes what it's trying to say as you as you change, like, as the viewer changes. Well, that just, yeah. that's just a tenet of good storytelling, right? Yeah. As you mature as a person, you get different things out of different stories. Right. And something that meant one thing to you as a kid can mean something totally different to you as an adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back and read young adult novels with the lens of an adult mind, you probably get considerably more out of it than you do if you were 13 or 14 and reading these same things. Mm-hmm. If they're written well. A lot of them are bad. Comedies that are geared towards kids, they they have enough adult jokes that you can appreciate right. as an adult yeah. that'll like kind of you just gloss over as a child. Or even like some comedies that are ostensibly aimed at adults, the way that the jokes are structured would go over the head of children anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't watch enough comedies. He's like little kids, like little kids or kids like under the age of like 12 don't get a lot of the kind of innuendos that adults do because they don't have the lived experience to understand them. Right. 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 So a lot of that stuff just goes right over a little kid's head. Yeah. And that's what what I'm saying is like even like a, like Shrek, for example, there's plenty of material in there that only adults would get. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that like Farquad's you, name alone. You, you, yeah, that you you understand like you watch it again as an adult. You're like, oh my god, I never understood that before, and now you 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 kind of find it that much more funny. Yeah. Right. Shrek two definitely has the most adult humor in it. <laughs> Here on Shrek minute, yeah, because <laughs> there's all those so. jokes about like Pinocchio wearing women's underwear. Oh, oh, yeah. why do you like remember this? Uh, well, I have kids, so... Right, he has an excuse. What's your excuse, Norman? <laughs> I mean, I like the Shrek movies quite a lot, actually. First one's good. The first one's a classic. I know, I watched it on the last plane ride we were on. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the the elf showing up here, too. It's great. This, mm. is a, this is a good way to give some hope in the lead-up to the battle, and then immediately... Some, immediate, like, concrete hope. And then mm. immediately... Just knock it back down. What with Haldir? With, with the way that the Urukai show up and oh, everything, oh, oh. like the elves showing up is this nice, hopeful moment. There's also one guy that's like smiling and nodding, like he's checking out the line of elves when they walk by him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just this one extra in the background that's just like, yeah, this is awesome. 
So how do you? How many elves do you think showed up? I'm guessing like sixty. Okay. I was gonna say a hundred. I don't think yeah, you can see a hundred at any point. I don't know when they're going up the ramp. It's really hard to. I'm not gonna pause and count. <laughs> oh man, I will. But it doesn't feels- make uh, doesn't make too much of a difference in the the grand scope of things. But I'm sure it's a welcome addition. Yeah. Well, how many archers are there really in Rohan? Like good quality archers? We don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. That kid has a bow. The one guy's really good, and he doesn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, he's accidentally good. The um. Oh, the beginning of this scene too. I wanted to just quickly mention the the gag with the chainmail mm-hmm. from Gimli mm. was apparently always in the script from like the first draft. Like oh yeah, back, yeah. Back when it was two movies, Fran and Philippa and and Peter all say that this was this scene, this whole arm up and this joke, uh-huh. pretty much exist exactly as they did from the beginning. That's funny. They were always going to do gag. this joke with Gimli. It's a bit tight across the chest. And then you see it's, him from behind, and it's not tight at all. <laughs> or the, uh, I mean, it sucks that the joke is, like, cut in half between minutes. Yeah. But it's like, you see it hit the floor, and he's like, I think we need a little bit of a, an adjustment, thinking he's going to say it needs to be shorter. Right. But no, the gag is it's tight across the chest. <laughs> Pause for laughs. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a short joke, but it's a misdirection. Yes, exactly. He doesn't. He doesn't acknowledge the short joke. He just makes up some crap about it being tight. Because Gimli never acknowledges jokes about him being short. <laughs> yeah, he when does. he's making them himself, he does this week. Yeah, only when he makes them about himself. But like, but he doesn't. He doesn't feed into them. He's just like he just kind of moves on, or he laughs about hey. it, and he just lets it yeah. go. Finger guns. I'm short. <laughs> Finger guns. <laughs> Just Gimli put on a pair of sunglasses, making some finger guns and back to Moonwalking moon yeah. out of frame. It's like, should I find you a box? And then he's just like, hey, good hey. <laughs> I love that he laughs at that, though. Yeah. And that the, the guy that made the chainmail for two years apparently made so much chainmail, he wore his fingerprints off his fingers. That is so scary. Oh, my God. Because yeah, he, he did nothing he but looped. make chainmail for two years. He Every single loop of that was a hand um, hand looped right Mm -hmm. yeah and they made there's hundreds of chain shirts yeah that were made for this movie it was one guy that did them all it was was like a a team two i they mentioned in the commentary the previous movie it was two people that made all the chain mail that did all their chain linking jesus which is insane to me and requires an amount of focus i both envy and am terrified of (laughs) yeah wow that's funny (laughs) And um, that the, I just can't I'm even sorry. imagine sitting in a room for twelve hours a day making one thing for two years. Yeah, that's a, that. <laughs> terrifying is a great word for it. <laughs> that's like by the end, you're just staring into the void, and your hands are doing your own thing. I think. I mean, I hyper focus when I craft, so that's kind of. I can't imagine doing the same thing for two years, but like, I think the. The most terrifying behind-the-scenes thing is the hand-painting leaves. I think that's scarier oh, yeah. than chainmail. Because at least and with chainmail, like, you can grow your project. Like, you can see it happening. But, like, just individual leaf leaves. after leaf. Yeah. yeah. 
You never see any progress. It no just way. gets taken away in bags. Oh, God. <laughs> and attached to trees by hand, too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's insane. One leaf at a time. I really, yeah. I really like the design of the elven bows. I like that from far away they look like twigs, which is really cool. Speaking mm-hmm. of trees, right. I have a, I there's a, I have a lot of notes for the these first couple minutes, and then not as many for the last part of the week. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they were rehearsing marching in formation with the elves only a half hour before they filmed this. Wow! And they were having trouble, but the way that they got them to all march in formation was to tell them all to hold their bows the same way. And it got them to also step in time, incidentally. Huh. Because they were all focused on this one thing, so they're all kind of moving at a steady pace. Yeah. Oh my god. That's interesting. And I guess one of the extras to try to stand out is plucking his bowstring during the scene. <laughs> but I can't find him. I couldn't see him when I was looking, <laughs> watching the commentary, trying to find him. As like a timing mechanism? Or maybe just, they think he was just doing it to make himself stand out in the line. Oh, what the... They have a term for that, don't they? Is it called uh, an actor, like an old actor used to do that? Like even if he's in the background of a frame, he would do something like play with uh, play with his hat or something like that to draw the focus to himself. Probably. Yeah. I can't remember. They don't use a, spe- a special term for it, I don't think. Yeah. I, I heard it recently and I can't remember who it was, but... <clears throat> um, the uh, marching is difficult, especially in a large group to get to step in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially what... like one line of people isn't so bad, but this is four mm. lines. This is a rectangle of people. Yeah. 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 There's no, uh, it, usually, you know, a drill instructor would, would call out a cadence. Mm-hmm. So so you get the timing down. And, and maybe maybe they, they could have done that in uh, on set here, but, um, and then removed it for the, like, like the finished product. Right. But it's difficult to do. Yeah. It it worked out pretty well. There's only a couple of guys, when you look at the wide shots, that aren't quite lined up with everybody else. But it passes mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah, that it works. Issue. Yeah, you would never notice it just watching the movie like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of marching, the music that goes along with it is incredible. Like the march. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Howard Shore says that he, the intent was to just militarize the Lothlorien theme. I really like this version yeah. of it. So it just comes yep. a it just comes across as an ordered militant march and not that whimsical Lothlorien theme from when we first heard it. I don't know if I would describe Lothlorien any part of Lothlorien as whimsical. I mean that's their intention. It's supposed to be like somewhat threatening, but it's like old school Celtic fairy whimsical. Oh, it's not okay. like like scary. <laughs> it's not like happy fun time whimsical. Yeah, it's, it's like... not like Willy Wonka's <laughs> chocolate factory up in here. I mean that's whimsical, but in a threatening way. Yeah, but it's not supposed to be threatening. I feel like Lothlorien is the opposite, where it's no, supposed no, to come no. off as The Chocolate Factory is supposed to be threatening. Oh, okay. Whatever. We're all Because it's an angry test for children. <laughs> it's a trap, really. It's intended to be a trap for bratty kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, I love that movie. What, you're like weeding out bratty children, like five children at a time? Yes, that's exactly Willy Wonka's point. <laughs> Isn't there like three Willy Wonka shows going on? Or not going on. There's one going on. but I think there's um, There's two? The Wilder Ride, where the, they're doing all the yeah. Wilder stuff one movie at a time. And then there's specifically Willy Wonka. Yeah. And didn't um Gary and Victoria want to do, do it too? I think so, but 
but they're not now. Yeah. They're going to do like. I just want to talk Steven about Willy Universe. Wonka. That's mm-hmm. just one of my. Well, just email them. I, I should. Because that's one of my favorite. <laughs> one of my favorite movies from my childhood. I That movie always makes me happy. It always nice, makes me smile. Even when even the children the kids are like dying. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just. <laughs> Like, Willy Wonka's <laughs> first appearance just always makes me so happy. Oh, yeah. I love Gene Wilder. Yeah, he kicks it off with a gag himself. You know, with the, the cane and the t- somersault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great introduction to a character. God, can you imagine if, like, Hal Deer rolled up here? <laughs> just, just, just like Willy Wonka. In that armor that... <laughs> that The armor that Haldir is wearing, the elven armor, is apparently made of fiberglass. It's so pretty. So it's super light compared to it's all like the other sports, armors. It's like a sports car armor. I know. It's so so sleek and beautiful. Like, I have a soft spot for the... I have a real soft spot for the kind of beauty and intricacy of Théoden and Amor and Am, and uh, Théodred's armor. Yeah. But Haldir's armor is just the f- most flashy, beautiful piece of armor in these movies i mean look at him he's pretty <laughs> yeah oh he's gorgeous it's, all, it's like the sharp angles that look like a leaf spread out over the rib cage and mm-hmm. all of that all the other sharp angles like in the arm in the van braces his like chain is glittery too it's kind of strange yeah everything is shining but it's also like a dark shine yeah like claw mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Because they wanted the armor of these elves to kind of represent the autumn of the elves in general. Mm. I li- I like when uh when when you see a character for, you know like uh, Theoden, we've seen him for two hours and forty five minutes already, and then he's he like transforms when you slap armor on somebody, mm-hmm. you're like. Holy shit, this guy means business. Right. <laughs> this guy isn't just the king, or uh, you know when you see the elves wearing the armor, you're like it's like they. They're ready. They're ready for battle. They're warriors. You don't think until they slap on the armor. It's like you don't think of them as a warrior, right? Yeah, that's that's true. Because you look at Theoden, even in just not in the old man makeup, when he's just walking around the throne room, giving Aragorn mm-hmm. crap. It's just like yeah, you're like yeah. This guy, like, this guy looks like he could be serious, but he's still just a king. Like he's just he's just an old guy. <laughs> Then he puts the armor guy, yeah. on and you see him fighting with the orcs and you're just like, oh, yep, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> this guy has seen some action. Mm-hmm. He has seen some shit. And I think it's cool that Theoden's left-handed. Yeah, you've, hmm. you've talked about that before. Yeah. I don't know, man. There's not enough left-handed people in media. I mean, not that I'm <laughs> left-handed. There's just not enough left-handed <laughs> was, people in media. <laughs> I was going to ask, is that like a, a call out for he just He left-handers? just loves Legend of Zelda. Link is also left-handed. That's true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, people have their things, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's weird because because of Legend of Zelda, whenever I imagine someone holding a sword and shield, they always are holding mm-hmm. the sword in their left hand. That's really funny. So does Rocky tickle your left-handed um, sensibilities? Yeah, he does. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie in a while. The original Rocky? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen Rocky Four more than the original one. Oh man, because that was the one that was always on TV. Yeah, <laughs> and we're—I mean, I know I am. You guys are probably not too uh, too much younger than me, <clears throat> but that was like perfect for kids. You know, back in the eighties, late eighties. Um, 
it had plenty of action. It had the fighting. It had like montage after montage after montage. So yeah. it's perfect for I kids. Mean, I probably say I must break you like three times a week talking to inanimate <laughs> objects. What? <laughs> She's seen a new side of you, Norman. I've never, I've never actually seen any Rocky movie. Really? Don't start with number four. Well, no. <laughs> Rocky Balboa was good. Release ordered, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you see the original and Rocky Balboa, you don't really need to see any of the other ones. Okay. No, that's actually that's actually pretty true. And if I still you, haven't uh, seen Creed. If you ever want someone on oh. your show that has never seen a Rocky movie before, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's always I I find that um. I love that when when people have guests on that never seen it before mm-hmm. and kind of like you you see these five minutes or how many ever minutes just completely out of context. It's it's a little bewildering, but it's kind of fun. Right, like you did yeah. that with the Mad Max. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but there's a lot of car crashes, so that's cool. <laughs> car crashes, fire, explosions. Yay! We're having them on next week. Yeah, that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. The battle, the oh, beginning nice. of the battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think I think that wraps up this minute. I do like that mm-hmm. Haldir is here by order of Elrond, even though he's from Lothlorien. Yeah, whatever. Who sent Who sent word? Is that like Gandalf in his travels? He's trying to reach out to everybody. Well, Elrond and Galadriel can communicate telepathically, oh. so Elrond can be like, "Hey, Galadriel." Do you want to send some people to Helm's Deep? Hey, I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling real <laughs> guilty. You want to send some 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 guys to my boy Aragorn? Make sure he's doing okay. Because in the in the book, and I think it happens in Return of the King, he sends his sons to Aragorn's yeah, side. Yeah. But here we get Haldir instead because they don't have time to establish Elrond's sons. Well, they should have in the first one. Oh yeah. Yeah, they would have added. They were another... like in the background the whole time. Yeah, they could. Have, they would have added like another five minutes to the movie. Who cares? Whatever. They just <laughs> we're have... already here. You it's just been like to... three hours. <laughs> uh, I can't remember if it's Philippa or Fran in the commentary. They're just like, if we were to establish Elrond's sons, we would have had to find two more impossibly beautiful men to play elves. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Instead of just finding Not a couple... Not one, but two impossibly beautiful men. Instead of just finding a couple of relatively attractive androgynous guys to be elves in the background of a scene, you need to find like impossibly beautiful yeah, people. Yeah, they gotta be as be- at least as beautiful as Liv Tyler, so that's a tall order. Exactly, you know? It's a it's a juggling act. And also, believably, Elrond's children. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have, like, like you said, beautiful... <laughs> beautiful people but they also have to have soft enough features because the elves aren't hard featured mm-hmm. except elrond yeah elrond has the hardest features of all the elves yeah. those eyebrows though the pointiest eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like just his eyebrows either Hugo weaving has a face that doesn't say soft <laughs> yeah yeah that was an odd choice for an elf huh i love it though it just makes sense yeah because Hugo Weaving looks lordly. You need to have someone that both looks lordly and can pass as an elf. And Hugo Weaving fits the bill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With the long hair. I can't hair picture anybody else. And the robes. Yep. Mm-hmm. That guy's an elf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I buy it. That's all that matters. Well, um, we are all from the website DuelingGenre.com. 
that's cool. Uh, Hell yeah. Where can people uh, find you, Doug? Um, on your social media platforms, we're Rocky Minute across all of them, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and we have a listeners group on Facebook. Facebook, it's called Mighty Mix. That's M-I-C-K-S. It's the name of Mickey's Gym and Rocky. Nice. So, uh, yeah, go there and join the conversation. And as you said, doinggenre.com. You got to go no further than uh, where these guys are at yeah. to find Rocky Minute. Yeah. So check them out if you haven't already. Um, and we also have a Patreon, which you can access from doinggenre.com slash support. Um, special thanks, as always, to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. Um, thanks for joining us today, Doug. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we'll be back tomorrow to... Talking about Haldir, I guess. Catch up with Haldir. (laughs) Bye. Bye.